Hey Rebels, my name is Matthew Barton. I'm the host of the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. Today's guest is Jody Robson, a Regina-based baker who had the chance to compete on Season 3 of The Great Canadian Baking Show, which is streaming for free right now on CBC Jam. I'm excited to talk with her all about food, her favorite dishes, and maybe, just maybe, I can convince her to suggest a meal pairing to go with today's beer. So let's get into it. Jody, welcome to the show. Hi. How's it going? It's going fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I say that lightly. I'm a little tired. It was a long night, so. So what makes it a long night? Uh, well, last night was the Rumble, the Royal Rumble on WWE, so we stayed up late and watched it. And you guys are a wrestling family. Yes, we are. My husband's a wrestler. He actually had a show right before we went to the Rumble, which is why we were late. <laughs> <laughs> but you made it on time to today's podcast. I did. <laughs> it was a miracle. <laughs> so wrestling aside, we'll get into that maybe a little bit later, but how did you get started with baking? I just wandered into a kitchen in a diaper one day and got into the flour, and I've kind of been there ever since, still getting into the flour. <laughs> just with your mom and your grandma? Uh, with my grandmother. My mom wasn't much of a baker. I mean, she's a great cook, but she didn't really bake. My cookum was the baker, who's my mother's mom. Do you bake in a sort of tradition? Is it pure chemistry? Do you, you bake by feel and touch and sense? I drive other bakers insane because I don't uh, do the measurement bit. I don't do the timing bit. I just kind of just go for it. And for some magical miracle, it always turns out and it drives them nuts because of it. Like, how? How did you make macarons without using a scale? I'm like, I, I threw it in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed in one scene you were like, I'm just going to eyeball this and you just poured a little a little bit in. A little bit more never hurts. Hello, Jody. Hello. I see some cake over here. What That's the cake. It's number four. Number four is the sacred number in my culture. I'm Nakoda Cree. All our ceremonies are done in four and the four seasons. I mean, four is literally everywhere. Yeah. Like right now, there's four of us. Exa exactly. Right? <laughs> you know, I, that's, how I, that's how I cook at home. So when, when they ask me for a recipe, I'm like, I don't have one I just I keep mixing till it smells right till it looks right and then I go with it that I think that's like true learned knowledge my wife has these old recipes from great grandma and grandma and ones from Europe and they just are words no numbers no cups and they just knew when they saw it and smelled it and touched it I'm so jealous of that. I wish I had heritage baking like that. I don't. And unfortunately, my cookum was the only baker in the family. There's no lineage beyond that. So, and most of her recipes were kind of out of books and magazines. So, is it now something you might pursue as like digging into that and bringing it back? Definitely, definitely. It's it's so much fun. You know, it is a lot of fun, and it's an unbelievably vast world in in baking. And I. I was reading that you have Nakota Cree heritage. I do. I have Nakota Cree heritage. So did that impact what you were bringing to the show? Uh, it did as far as visuals. Um, and Well, I did some local flavors, some Saskatoons and some rhubarb, stuff that I've seen at home and that we would have picked ourselves in the wild and then brought into the kitchen for Cook'em to make stuff with. So uh, in that aspect, it did a little bit, but like, there's not really a whole lot of baking in it in First Nations history, so... It's, oh. it's kind of cool. I get to break the ground for it. 
The trailblazer. Uh, I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your favorite things to bake? Um, right now, I'm really enjoying breads. I'm all about these different breads. Somebody had gifted me, actually, Jens Peterson gifted me uh, his sourdough starter. So, and I killed the first one, so they, they replaced it. And they're finicky. It's, I'm having a lot of fun with sourdough, though. Sourdough starters are kind of like a sacred trust. They it seems are. like there's like a little bit of a cult. It very much is, and it was so mystic because um, it came to me in a salsa jar. So, and, and tradition says you have to name your starter. So I named it Pedro because he came in salsa. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Are you still exploring like temperatures and timing with the sourdough? That see, that's too scientific already for my methods. Um, I, again, it, it's all about feel and how it looks. And I, I actually started a loaf I intended to bring today. And um, I put it in the fridge for a slow rise because apparently that's a thing. Uh -huh. And I hadn't done it before. All my stuff has been all at room temperature. <laughs> and he, he sh the loaf did not rise the way it was supposed to. It was kind of like a pancake in the pan. So I'm like, eh, we'll just scrap it and, uh, and try again another day. <laughs> <laughs> my wife has been teaching me how to bake. I've recently discovered I can't digest certain types of breads, like quick rises. So sourdough has be kind of come the last option for me because it's easier on your stomach. It, it is. It, it's actually really great for diabetic people as well. So to see all the art and effort that she puts into it, I can only imagine what you're putting into it. Like the, that knowledge, like I, I help her out and I put the loaf in the pan <laughs> and it comes out all lumpy and it looks kind of like the surface of Mars yeah pocked and exploded and then hers comes out and it's nice and smooth like a baby's butt you know like, <laughs> like i can't make bread f to save my life they <laughs> <laughs> should have to get you on a more hearty bread yeah <laughs> do you have any special techniques you've learned lately anything any new nuggets of knowledge uh yeah actually i've, I've learned that it's um it's an art to actually score the bread top and there's different tools and techniques you can use. And one of the things I've picked up from the show was Colin used scissors to make these little spikes on this giant crab loaf he made. And uh, I've been toying around with that, trying to make a hedgehog loaf. I think it would look really cool, but I haven't mastered it yet. The eyes don't sit where they're supposed to. They droop and it looks really scary. <laughs> It's like one of those uh, Instagram comparisons where they have Cookie Monster cookies. That's what it looks like. It's it's terrifying. I should actually start posting it, but I'm scared to post the fails. <laughs> like, no, you guys only see the stuff that turned out. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. When you're talking about scoring, you mean dragging the blade across the, the unfinished loaf? Yes. Or you, like, clip it from, I, like, the top? Well, with the scissors, you clip it, and it creates this nice little pointed spike that raises. So And it looks amazing if you can do it right. But um, it's a technique that I'm still toying around with. <laughs> well, the nice thing about baking is you kind of always got to eat. So you have more time to, to learn and play. It's true. And the fails are wonderful because you can still eat them. Like, and then you, you're like, uh, I can fail as many times as I want because this actually tastes good, even though it looks horrible. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I was reading this weekend was they were saying, don't buy seafood on a Monday. Have you heard about this? don't buy seafood on a Monday uh, because it's not fresh? Yeah, because they're saying the last delivery might have been Friday. So Ooh. it's been sitting there for Saturday, Sunday. I don't buy seafood at all because we live in a prairie province. <laughs> Where are you getting your fish from? 
Diefenbaker? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've done fish fry on the shores. My dad likes to ice fish. Yeah, we've done that too. A uh, huge pickerel fan. Uh, and I mean, it's something else when you're actually catching it yourself, but I don't know. You could bring out some sourdough and some butter and cheese and put it all together with the pickerel. Ah, it'd be like a little hobbit meal. <laughs> <laughs> Second breakfast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Have you met my sons? <laughs> yeah. uh, Hobbit fans. Yes. <laughs> well, big second breakfast fans. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who isn't a second breakfast fan? <laughs> Can I share a nerdy story with you? Sure. We, we take our kids to daycare for years, and my wife is very much a foodie, and she insists on serving the kids breakfast, so she'll do eggs, toast, fruit everything and i'm just like it's crazy just give them cereal let's just get out the door and she just insists and then we go to the we pick up the kid from daycare one day and the babysitter says oh yes he's really great he eats everything he even sits down nice for breakfast and we kind of looked at each other and we're like what what do you mean you feed him (laughs) breakfast we feed him breakfast she goes oh no he eats breakfast every single day (laughs) (laughs) this stinker was eating two breakfasts (laughs) and getting away with it that's brilliant, actually. If, if I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your experience on the show. Do you have like a favorite memory or story? Oh, there were so many good moments on that show. Uh, it was crazy. I um, I didn't anticipate how long a filming day was. They're, they're quite long. Uh, but uh, my favorite moment, I think, was when I discovered that my mic was live all the time. Because you're mic'd up. Like you, they clip it to your clothes. And I discovered that I could order food on my mic. That's how I seen all the crew was walking around with the, like dishes of, of afternoon snack. And I'm like, we had lunch two hours ago and we're, we're on downtime for like half an hour. So I, hey, can I get a cheeseburger? <laughs> and the other bakers were like, what are you doing? I'm like, I think we can order food on these. And somebody came in with a tray of like taco salads. Like somebody was hungry. Yes. It worked. I, I got into a really bad habit of that. I actually gained like 15 pounds filming because I found out I could order food on the mic. That's amazing. You never know till you try, right? Hot mics are very dangerous. We've, we discovered that too. <laughs> we had, I remember working with one person. I won't name names because they would be deeply embarrassed, but they walked into the washroom with a hot mic and we were in the middle of a commercial break but the audio tech forgot to kill their mic. And in the middle of the commercial, <laughs> and we're like, oh no, turn off the mic. <laughs> See, I figured that out right away because yeah. I'm like, well, nobody came and turned it off and I don't know if they're remotely monitoring it. So I'd, I actually announced I'm going to the bathroom and then hold it, hold, like put my hand over the mic, turn the tap on and sing while I went. So, I'd, you know, just in case, uh, yeah, I was, I, I was well aware of the mic thing. <laughs> So is it a big crew? Is it a big set? I, it's, I, I don't have anything to compare it to. So I'm assuming it was fair-sized. Like, there were a lot of people everywhere, but I don't know. They might have been filming other things at the same time because it, it is a big set. And one thing I wanted to ask you is every shot I see of you, you have like the biggest smile on your face. <laughs> Even when you're like... <laughs> I'm having a nightmare feeling or I'm like having all these emotions. You still got like this massive smile. I, I was heavily caffeinated. <laughs> they First off, they would bring me my own carafe of coffee because I like really strong coffee and I drink it black. Uh-huh. And, uh, the way I, it should be drank. Oh, right? Cream. Right. I just, oh, why are you putting cream and sugar in that? You're killing it. Um, <laughs> 
only to hide the bad flavor of somebody who brewed it incorrectly. Yeah, see that now people know that, so people are going to judge and see when I go over for coffee. Am I putting cream and sugar in it? People so. do the same thing to us. <laughs> like, oh, we better make this special because Matt's going to judge us. Yeah. Well, it, it has to. I, yeah, no, I'm a coffee snob, but I also drink energy drinks because I'm, you know, long days, and I think we were sleeping four or five hours a night, and, and so exhausted. And I, and I knew it's a marathon in that kitchen. When they tell you you have four hours, you do not stop for a solid four hours. You're literally on your feet trying to make everything happen because what takes four hours on the show at home would take me probably two to three days. Really? Literally. Like, I, I don't bake and decorate in the same day. It's baked and set and then decorated the next day. Whereas on the show, it's like, no, everything has to be done without cooling down time. So have fun. And don't you need to cool everything down so it doesn't all melt on you? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you cool everything? Do we have fridges? <laughs> we have fridges and freezers and... Um, Fans? And it, Well, it was cold because it's a tent. Okay. And honestly, it was so cold. So the first, the second week, we needed butter at room temperature for cookies. The butter was like a hard block. Liam had them in his pockets. He was just walking around all day with butter in his pockets to try to warm them up. It was, yeah, it was it, that, like, the curveballs you don't expect. Mostly a result of temperature, so. I would say, in my uh, experience of trying to keep things warm from when you're working outside, stuff it right under your armpit. Ah. Like, right here, underneath your uh, pectoral muscles. And then, because when your arms are there, your jacket's there, you can get a little extra heat. I'm sure the judges would have loved to see me pulling butter out of my armpit. <laughs> like, oh, I got to eat that. Yeah, enjoy. Extra flavor, babe. <laughs> You're like, spicy. <laughs> You're a coffee snob, so now I got to ask you, what are you drinking right now? Uh, for coffee. For coffee? Um, that's a secret blend. I actually have three different kinds of coffee that I mix in a precise amount into the co into the coffee machine every morning. And one of them is uh, Toronto-based uh, Excelsior. It's a super cheap coffee. I found it for a buck fifty when I was over there filming, and I'm like, "Huh, it's espresso. Let's try it out." And uh, it's it has a nice strength to it. So we, we mix that with some Starbucks and another unnameable brand <laughs> uh, yeah it's it's a it's a collective i think mark who is one of the owners here he's a big coffee aficionado like rum barrel aged beans he's on it right like oh. we arranged with caliber to get them a rum barrel that we had used for beer and he they put coffee beans in it that's brilliant and even though i only got like a little one pound bag and it was like ridiculous it was way too expensive and I drank it, and I'm like, oh, man, this is amazing. My wife goes, I hate it, and I never want to drink it again. And I was like, <laughs> oh. So I just gave it to Mark, and he's like, thanks. Nice. <laughs> my, my sister actually travels to Columbia often, and she, she brings us back coffee. So um, Fresh. Fresh coffee. And it comes in a little burlap sack, and it's... Do you roast it yourself? Uh, no, I haven't tried that yet. <laughs> it's probably something I could. Might bring down the house, though. <laughs> I, I'm assuming there's precision with that as well. My buddy has a roaster that sits on his countertop, oh. and he just roasts it to his his preference. Ah, there's a coffee shop in town here that roasts their beans, and we've well, they're located in the same building that my husband works in, so we just get our coffee from them. Green Spot, yes, yeah. Oh, they're amazing. I love Green Spot. I've had them do custom roasts for me see, when that, I used to work downtown. Well, see, and I like going there because they have such a variety. You can like, oh, I'll try that today. And it's it's gorgeous. <laughs> I think if you're looking to like 
explore different styles without spending too much money, they're definitely one of the places to check out. Oh, definitely. And I guess one of the things I forgot to mention was Mark likes black rocket fuel for coffee. I love rocket fuel. <laughs> Our I- house coffee... If you have like two cups, your heart will start. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, it might actually set mine at normal speed then. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good to know. You got you got to get some before you leave. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll just I'll just tap Jasmine <laughs> on the shoulder and be like, hey, by the way, let's sneak her some coffee. <laughs> I'm sure everybody will appreciate me <laughs> on coffee. <laughs> so in addition to coffee, as you know, we're a brewery. We uh, sell tons of beer. Oh, yes, of course. Today we're drinking. Our brand new black IPA. Ooh. Have you ever had a black IPA before? I haven't had a black IPA before, no. It's... Oh, let's not wait any more time. Let's not waste time. Ah. Let's just get into it. Cheers. Cheers. Super dark. I mean, you hold it up, no light comes through. You can't see your fingers through the glass. It's like a black abyss. It really is. <laughs> Unrelenting. It's incredibly light tasting, though. It's not what you'd think a dark beer should taste like. No, I was expecting it to be quite heavy, so I I, I sipped gingerly for that first one. I find it's a palate shock for the first three sips, and then when you get to the third sip, you kind of adjust, and then you can rock it. So if you're a coffee fan, I'm saying this might be a beer for you to have, because what I'm getting out of this is like, boom, coffee, and... A subtle citrus aroma. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can. The citrus hits you. It's kind of like almost like an aftershock, though. Yeah, this is smooth. <laughs> I'm just gonna have another sip. See, so you said to try the three, three sips. So, it no, it's incredible. I like the the variety of flavor that's in this, and like I said, surprisingly light considering how dark the beer itself is. Would you recommend it to your friends? Oh, definitely. Maybe your coffee drinking friends? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you well, have to have <laughs> coffee drinking friends when you drink coffee like I do. <laughs> Life's too short to have friends who drink terrible coffee. <laughs> oh, I have a few. <laughs> We're frenemies. <laughs> I'll show up to like family events with my own beans and my own carafe because they'll be, they'll be making pods. And I'm like, sorry, yeah. life's or- too short. Or, or they make the pot and it's like water. And you're like, oh, I can see right through your coffee. It's no. Yeah, I, I make my own pot of coffee. I, I prefer that. It, it's gotten so bad that I've actually pulled out a French press at somebody's house. I'm like, I'm just, can I, I can do it. It's good. Yep. Yeah. No shame. I do the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like my, my family, my mom will come over and she's like, well, I was going to bring those pods, but you don't have a machine. So... <laughs> And I'm like, Mom, no, let me just do it right. And now she just knows. She's just like, just make that really nice coffee for me. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, see, at least your mom knows. My mom will come over, fill up a cup of coffee, but only halfway, and then go over to the Brita and fill it up halfway with water. And I'm just like, what are you doing? That's Why? A, that's a crime. <laughs> She's like, oh, my dear, you make it much too strong. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> Did we just become best friends? I think so. <laughs> So if you're going to be thinking of a dish or a piece of baking that you might pair with this black IPA, what do you think it might be? Oh, I would definitely pair this with a fresh loaf of sourdough and a nice strong cheese. Oh, it would be so good. You're, sp- you're speaking my language. <laughs> Maybe like a, a tangy goat cheese. <gasps> yes. Yes. I go bug Alina at like 
takeaway gourmet on uh, 13th just be like hey what you got you know what? you might as well throw some like nice hard cured salami on there too if you're gonna eat bread and cheese you might as well throw some meat there <laughs> cured meats are the best for that i dig it i think this would go well with something that's uh salty yep that's in my mind i'm just like mm, salty yes <laughs> now you got me all hungry here <laughs> Second breakfast time. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> that is so good. I, I'm going to have another sip. This is deadly. So what's next for you now that you've done the show? I don't want to give any spoilers away. I just want people to go watch it because it's kind of fun. You know, to be honest with you, uh, I, I love the life in the spotlight. It, it's I didn't think I would because I'm totally an introvert and socially awkward. But uh, I'm kind of finding my element here. So... I uh, joined GUR, which is Grown Ups Rock Regina. And they, it's, uh, okay, so I don't play any instruments aside from like flute way back when, but it wasn't cool back then. I don't think it is cool yet. But, <laughs> um, basically, they give you an instrument, teach you a riff, and then you jump on stage with a group of other women and you just rock out. I'm, I want to live the life of a rock star now. <laughs> <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit more about wrestling. Oh, of Because course. we have a lot of wrestling fans on staff. Nice. Mark, who I mentioned earlier, one of the owners, he actually has tattoos of wrestlers on his arms. What? So I have can, to check those out. Right? <laughs> uh, now the name is escaping me. His catchphrase was son of a plumber. He was really popular in the 70s and 80s. Blonde hair. Ah, oh, what's his name? It'll come to me after we 70s finish. 70s and 80s. Yeah. I, I wasn't alive yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to welcome back tonight Dusty Rhodes for his first interview since his injury. Here is the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. And Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. But he also knows your husband, Dylan. Oh, yep. So Not surprised. How does that work? How did you and Dylan get into the wrestling thing? Well, Dylan has been in the wrestling long before I knew him. I actually saw him for the first time wrestle when I was 13, and I don't remember it. He uh, wrestled in a local show back where I'm from, and he's like, oh, yeah, I was there. And I'm like, I was probably outside trying to smoke like a cool kid. So I have no clue of him being there. But um, that was apparently the first time we met. And uh, we actually worked together, and I didn't know that he was a wrestler. I didn't find out till a couple months in because I think he was trying to ease me into this whole like alternate life that he had. <laughs> and how I caught on was people were coming up to him in public when we'd go out and be like, hey, hi, Dylan. I'm like, who is Dylan? Like, your name is Jesse as far as I know. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, yeah. He has an alter ego. He does. It's really weird because they're two different people completely. What do you mean? Like, like when he's in character, he's not the person I know. He's completely different. Uh, he, does he play like a good guy or a heel? Is he a bad guy? Well, th again, that depends on where he's at. Like, is he is he in a good spot? Then then he's he's a good guy. He's a baby face. If not, then he's a heel. And I personally, I like him as a heel. You know, just he seems like a fighter. But <laughs> he's not in that role very often, though. <laughs> and you guys have like a ring in your backyard, don't you? Oh, we did. We don't anymore. It's, oh. uh, it's Ringside's ring. They lent it to us for a bit. That's awesome. <laughs> so has he taught you any like pins or elbows? Okay, so he tried, when we had the ring in the backyard, to teach me how to take a bump. I knocked myself out on my first attempt, and I was, like, <laughs> out. 
and I had a headache for three days after that. Oh, no. So, yeah, apparently I can't wrestle, which is probably for the better. <laughs> but you can get them fueled up. I can. I can feed them. And you know what? Honestly, I think wrestlers would tell me anything tastes good. So <laughs> here's a cracker. It's delicious. <laughs> and they, and they would, Yeah, it's just the greatest cracker I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> So if people want to follow you or find out more what you're up to, should they go to Instagram or do you have a web page set up now? Uh, I don't have a web page yet. I'm on uh, Facebook under just Jody Robson and also on Instagram is Jody Joe Rosso. So, yeah. I did do a little snooping and I did check out your Instagram. It looks awesome. Like everything looks delicious. Yeah, food porn. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's awesome. Well, I, once again, I just want to say congratulations for making it on the show. Thank I you. don't want to spoil anything or say how you did, but, uh, you know, audience, go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my big thing right now with baking is to uh, try to get people to have flashbacks because, like, it, it's fun. My manager kept bugging me he wanted cookies made, and he kept saying, all I wanted was a need to swear. All I wanted was an effing cookie. And I'm like, well, I got tired of hearing it. So one night I went and I searched cause where he's from. I searched the Homeland recipes. I'm like, I picked one. I'm like, this is the one. And I made it for him exactly the way it was. It, it should be made. And then I took it into work and he, he had one cookie in the middle of like our meeting. And I saw him reach for a second one and I, we were all talking and not paying attention to him. And he's sitting at the head of the table. And all of a sudden he, he blurts out, how do you call those? I'm like, cookies, like you asked. He goes, I just had a flashback. Mic drop. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I think food's neat that way. Like it connects to those neural pathways in our brain that we've long forgotten. And then you just hit that flavor and you're back at your grandma's table. You're back at, with the family and you're just reliving that moment. Yeah. It's really fun to do that to people. <laughs> <laughs> my wife did that to my dad because she got my grandma's fried green tomato pie recipe. And it's this old German style recipe and she had never made it before. My dad hadn't had it in like 20 years. And when he took his first bite, like this, he's a stoic man with like big sausage fingers and crazy beard. Like, <laughs> he is a hard man. And I think I even saw like a tear collect at like the corner of his eye when he had his first bite. That's the greatest feeling as, as a cook or a chef, it's the greatest feeling to see that happen to somebody. I did it. <laughs> but then he sucked like that tear back in. He's like, mm, get back in the tear. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> That's a really noble, worthy goal, I think, that you have. It's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for the beer. It was delicious. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Rebels, thanks for listening today. I'm going to include links in the show notes so you can find Jody on social media and follow her on the Great Canadian Baking Show for the third season. See how she did. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, be sure to join us on our brand new Facebook group page, The Rebellion Brewing Podcast. I'm also proud to let you know that we're an affiliate member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. If you're into podcasts and you're looking for great stories and local content to listen to, be sure to check them out at saskpodcastnetwork.com. New episodes and new beers are coming out all the time, so be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped so you don't miss out on a single thing. Thank you for joining the Rebellion. <laughs>